Take your Bible in your hand if you would, or if it's on your Bible app, you can use your phone. And let's say this, uh, you can say it after me. This is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. And he says, I am anointed. I am a son of the Most High God. And I am maturing as his son. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, let's get to it. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit. Of course, our uh, activation time eating the Word this week will be Galatians 4, 6, and 7. Powerful stuff. You want to sit with that, with the author. But one of the things that Jesus did in talking about the centrality of Jesus... Uh, yes, Tom, you can turn all the lights on, brother. Thank you. On the centrality of Jesus. Jesus came teaching and delivering to us the Holy Spirit. John 16, 7, he says, better that I go away, because if I don't leave, then you don't get to receive the Holy Spirit. But in departing, he sends the Holy Spirit to us. And we're getting to know the person of the Holy Spirit all summer long through his governing functions. We're looking at some of the things he oversees and then some of his titles, if you will. And we've looked at, I think I've got them on here, Yeah, the anointing, the spirit of holiness, and now we're on the spirit of adoption. We have not got to the spirit of life in Christ and the spirit of truth, which are some other titles and nicknames that he has. So the spirit of adoption is perfect timing because if you've been around here the last few weeks, uh, you know the Lord's challenge for us to mature as sons. This is not centered. Let me move it. There we go. (laughs) Um, the Lord's challenging us to mature as sons. And when I say sons of God, I'm talking about spirit-born, male or female, children of God. Fair enough. So we've made the turn of the Lord to maturity. We have purposed in our hearts to give the spirit of adoption permission to move us from just children of God, which is a great thing, into mature sons of God. We want to enter into the meat of the word, to obeying his command, to live godly in the present age. Very important, as we heard from Romans 13. One of the things the Lord had shared with us last week is the milk that got us here is not the meat that we'll be eating there. Okay, the milk that we've been uh, feeding on to get us here as children of God is not the meat that we'll be devouring and partaking of as we go forward. We are not content just being children of God. We want to mature uh, as sons. How many of you know it's okay to start immature? That's totally, totally normal. It's okay that when you start out as a born-again child of God, you are immature in Christ. It's just not okay to stay there. We want to continue to grow. And as uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians thirteen eleven, he said, When I became a man, I put away childish things. What's some childish things? How about attitudes, childish emotions? I'm going to demand my own way. I'm going to keep record of everybody's wrongs. Did you know love keeps no record of wrong? That's how we got a relationship with God. But Paul didn't say, well, as I put away some childish things, then I'll be a man. Uh, You got it backwards. He said, when I became a man, When I became a mature son, then I put away childish things. So don't get the cart before the horse. 
and launch off into behavior management. Spend time with the spirit of adoption. The Holy Spirit's role, one of His governing functions in your life is to mature you into a mature Son of God. To the measure of a mature man, Ephesians 4 says, and we'll look at that today. But as you mature in Christ, then you begin to put away childish things. That keeps us out of our own efforts of trying to change. Let's go to Romans chapter 8, verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Where is His Spirit? Amen. And it's no longer you that live now, right? The old you is gone. Christ lives in you, as you, and through you. That's the gospel. Verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you just drop dead. But incipient death is a step-by-step process that you continue to choose flesh all day, every day. You're going you're gonna to bring death to everything that you love, including yourself at some point. How I many of you know if you just willfully continue sowing sin into your marriage, you'll kill it? The wages of sin is death, not just in the hereafter, in the here and now. So he's saying we're not indebted to live by the flesh. Okay, if we live by the flesh, we're going to die. But if the Spirit, if by the Spirit, everybody say by the Spirit. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, then you'll live. All right, here we go. How do we put to death the deeds of the body of the flesh? How do we do it? By self-effort, right? By trying hard? No. By the Spirit. By the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh. How many of you know it doesn't do Satan any good to improve his behavior? I just need to act better. He's still the devil. I mean, so behavior modification is not where it's at. You've got to get born again. Become a child of God indwelt by Christ the anointing Himself. He is the change agent. Right? The spirit of holiness. The spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba Father. We'll get to in just a minute. But if you want to get rid of some of those foxes, the little foxes spoiling the vine, put them to death by the Spirit. In other words, let Him be the wind in your sails. Be fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit. We try to stay carnal and quit doing some things. And, th- and call that holy. Remember I said the other day, oh, I'm glad you went all day without lying to your wife. That's really good. But you know, real holiness is that you're actually walking with the one who is truth towards your wife all day, every day. How shallow is it? Oh, you didn't lie to her, but you had a hundred bad thoughts about her. How, how about this? How about you can wash her with the word? How about you You walk with the one who is truth? You let him be the wind in your sails. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. By the Spirit, that's how you put to death the deeds of the flesh. I love that where he says, uh, Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Come under the influence of the Spirit. That's The Spirit has power. This Christ in you has power over whatever the deed of the flesh that's knocking on your door is. He is the power to defeat it. He's already defeated it and He's in you. He's not in you to watch you do things without Him. 
By the Spirit, we put to death the deeds of the flesh. Well, I just need to try harder. I need to do more. I need more disciplines. How about you get filled with the Spirit of the living God? And every day, throughout the day, you yield your sails to Him. And say, the wind in my sails, the influence of this ship, is the power of the Holy Spirit. Woo, amen. Come on, give Him praise this morning in the house of God. Are you thankful for the Holy Spirit? All right, I'm not through the scripture yet. Verse 14. For as many as are led by their feelings. For as many as are led by football. For as many as are led by the stock market. For as many as are led by... Well, I didn't like that song they sang. For as many as are led by the opinions of others. No, as many as are led by the Spirit of God. These are... What's the Greek word? Technon? Huyas. Uh, these are the mature sons of God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The very Spirit of Christ in you. He, Jesus walked around calling God Abba which they thought was greatly insulting, many of the Pharisees and so forth, that same Spirit is in you relating to God as Father. How? By the Spirit. You've been born again by the Spirit. You were born into a natural family by a natural physical birth. You got born into the family of God by the Spirit birth. And just as you receive Christ by the Spirit, walk in Him. Walk by the Spirit. Utilize the Spirit. Let the Spirit take you to the Scriptures. Let the Spirit take you to the Scriptures. The Scriptures should always be present with the author. Do not use human reasoning for your theology. Do not use your experience. You ask the author, the Holy Spirit. Scripture is God-breathed. He wrote it. No one knows the things of God but the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So... Let the Scriptures bring you to the author and then let the author take you to the Scriptures. Amen. Abba Father. He's our, the, the correct translation is Daddy. Intimacy. Family. You belong to me. Verse 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are indeed children of God. But if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ if indeed we suffer with Him that we may be glorified together with Him. Verse 18. That the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed. The, the glory is going to be revealed where? In us. Like, like today? Like on earth? Yes. Christ in you, the hope of his manifestness. People can look at you and they can see God. You can see who He is. Verse 19, For the earnest expectation of all creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. So that spirit of adoption's role in your life is to disciple you, to train you, and to teach you, bring discipline to your life so that you can mature from not just being a child of God, but a mature son of God who's now partnering in ownership with the Father's kingdom riches. You're now active in the Father's kingdom business. And you're going to mature to so much a point of ownership 
that one day you're going to say, Father, what would you like to do in this situation? I see someone over there that might need you. And he says back to you, son, what would you like to do today? Did you hear what I said? You can get to such a place of joint heirship, joint ownership, that he will ask you in your maturity, what would you like to do, son? Well, Father, I think we should help. Then let's do it. How about that? He's trying to get us to the... Let's leave behind the thought that God's our genie in a bottle. All right? We need Him, cosmic slot machine, whatever you want to call it, into joint heirship, joint ownership, walking and talking with our Father. Jesus said, I don't do anything that I don't see the Father do. I don't say anything that the Father is not saying. Now let's talk about suffering a little bit. (laughs) Suffering is built in when you love people in their sin. I know that we think, and I mentioned this last week as far as suffering, that sometimes we live in this earth suit that craves things that are not godly. And we say no to them because we love our Father more than we love what the enemies throw in our way. But let's go beyond that. Christ suffered. Did he suffer from sin within himself or everybody else's sin? The suffering that's built in is when the Lord's asking you to love people that don't give you love to love them with. They may spitefully use you. You ever have somebody, you know what malice is? It's a desire to repay evil for evil, to injure somebody. Somebody might come right at you. Well, guess what your human reasoning is going to say? By God, you can't treat me like that. I, I got rights. Oh, be careful. Here comes offense to block the flow of Christ in and through you. Offense is such a little fox that has spoiled the flow of the Holy Spirit time and time again because we say, this is about me. You cannot speak to me that way. Really? I thought you were dead. We already covered that. You died when Christ died. And here you are holding up a sign that says, I got rights, man. You think you got the right to tell Jesus, we're not loving that person today. Did you see what they did to me, Jesus? And and remember when Jesus, he hopped on your bus and said, boy, that's right. How dare they do that to you? That low down, those are dirty dogs. (laughs) That's a devil. (laughs) It's not Jesus telling you that. Jesus died for that person. He's going to say something more like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I know them inside and out. Don't take it personal. The persecution is for the word's sake. The word is in you, son. Don't take it personal. Come on, somebody. My goodness. The stronghold of offense is so deceptive because it's founded upon the lie that we have a right to carry unforgiveness and no longer love like Jesus. And man, I searched my heart this week, Brian. I'm like, Lord, when do I ever have the right to tell you we're not going to love that person? Well, you don't understand. They, They did it to me once before. Really, love keeps no record of wrong. 
So, so I, I got to be guarded against them. I'm going to build a fortress, man. I'm, I'm staying away from that person. Really, love keeps no record of wrong. What's really true is they did that to you for the first time. <laughs> it says quiet in this full gospel church. <laughs> that was the first time they did that to you. Remember, you, you already forgave that day. You released it. There's nothing on the record. Oh, boy. Clean ledger is absolutely right. You say it's a clean ledger, but you walk around like you're triggered easy by that person. Why? Because you have, you are still carrying the offense from the time before. You just deceived yourself. You didn't release that debt. That's why I was saying earlier, the most offendable people are those who have not released the offense they picked up from the time before. And boy, they justify it. That person. Oh, I forgave them, but I tell you, they better not do that to me again. Oh, boy. Yeah. Colossians 3, Laura gave it, uh, verse 12 through 14. Be unoffendable. Don't take it personal. It's persecution for the word's sake. It's in the parable of the sower. Amen. <laughs> suffering is built in when we're called to love people in their sin and be careful because if you watch the news and even if you watch the right wingers be careful because the world likes to keep record and justify our anger against the democrats am i preaching good I literally was doing a conference in Oklahoma City a few years ago, and at the end of it, a guy stood up, one of the leaders. He was one of the other speakers. He stood up, publicly repented for his hate for Nancy Pelosi. He said, he said, Steve is going straight to me today, because that is not Christ. Christ died for her. What am I thinking? See, see how easy human reasoning gets in it? The world's going to world. The world wants, they want justice, and they want it their way eye for an eye tooth for a tooth i think jesus talked about that in the beatitudes you've heard it was said an eye for an eye tooth for a tooth but do not resist him who's evil right they demand you go one mile go with them too isn't growing up fun amen (laughs) i mean i don't want to be a child of god when I became a man, I put away childish attitudes. I put away childish emotions. Things that I let rule and reign over the Spirit of Christ in me. No more. Christ is our source. Everybody say, Christ is my source. Amen. Boy, the crazy thing about unforgiveness is you think the devil tricked you. He swindled you because you think you have power by withholding love and, and, and and giving them ill treatment, giving them the evil eye or whatever it is you're doing, that you have power over them in that unforgiveness. You're deceived. He has power over you. The enemy is using you to express himself through your body. Boy, amen. First Peter 4.14, if you're reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of God's glory rests upon you. That's how glory is revealed in suffering. The sufferings this present time are not worthy to be compared for the glory. When Ron Garman is able to love the unlovely, love the man that's insulted him, God's glory is on the scene. 
We are not looking at the old Ron Garman. We're looking at the new creation man made, remade in the image of true righteousness and holiness. That's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 through 24. Put off the old man, put on the new man, recreated in the very image of God in true righteousness and holiness. When we love those who do not love us, when we forgive those that, quote, don't deserve it, the glory of God rests upon us. Count it all joy. Man, isn't it a joy to reveal, to reveal the sons of God to the world? I'll never forget, I think it was South Carolina, if I remember right, and it was a, a Caucasian man that went in and shot up a, a predominantly black church, and they interviewed one of the ladies on TV, and she forgave him. And the reporters are like, come again? You know, what? Christ in her. Through suffering. Nobody wanted that to happen. That was terrible. But the glory of God showed up in that interview. My goodness. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So the spirit of adoption is bringing us to mature sonship so we can actually operate in our Father's kingdom riches. Because see, you are an owner. Everything that you're a joint heir already is a child of God, but you're not ready to handle the goods yet. Well, don't shout me down. He trains, he trains and equips and disciples us until we come to full stature in Christ. We can be entrusted with rightful joint heirship. Maybe we don't see all the miracles that we, we see in Scripture, we see in Christ, we see in Paul. Maybe we don't see them yet because we're not mature yet. <clears throat> Maybe he's not willing to give the keys to the, the family business truck to the nine-year-old yet. That's the mercy of God. Amen? That's the love of God. How about this? Maybe we're so immature, we don't even fully know how to access the things that are really ours. They're ours already, but we don't know how to access them. We don't know how to use them. Or maybe we're going to use them for self-centered purposes. What else can we do? Well, do whatever the spirit of adoption tells you to, because his role in your life on the inside of you is to mature you as a son. Okay, no longer a child, but becoming a son. Just like you've gotten familiar with the anointing, the anointed one, Christ in you, in the spirit of holiness. Do what they say. Touch your neighbor and say, do what the Lord says. You want to mature? Do what he says. And do it without kicking rocks. But if you've got to kick rocks a few times, do it anyway. <laughs> Grow as an obedient son. How about this? It's on our sign down by the street. Christ sourced and others minded. All day, every day. Christ is my source, not somebody else. Christ sourced, others minded. How can I serve? Jesus said in Matthew 20, even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give His life a ransom for many. If Jesus, the Christ, didn't come here to be served, you show enough aren't here to be served. You can write that down. (laughs) S-H-O-N-U-F-F. How about this? Be humble. Be teachable. And as I said last week, you might be sunning. You might be a mature son in some areas. Praise God. But you're really weak in some other areas. Always be teachable. Be humble. Live dependent on Christ. Recognize that God sent the helper because you need help. And then begin to grow in your understanding of union. 
that it really is no longer me that's getting up today. It's Christ in me. Lord, let's do this together. And then recap Galatians 4, 1 uh, through 7. Now I say that the heir, as long as he's a child, he doesn't differ at all from a slave, though he's master of all. Okay, makes sense. The child is too young to handle the stuff, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by... (laughs) Not you. The Father. Even so, we, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those. Uh, next slide, please. Oh, there it is. Got it. Who are under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. There it is. The spirit of adoption. Not like the American model. You take an infant that's not born into your family. This is, this is more their culture. The child grows and grows and grows, matures, and is adopted at the time that the father sees fit that they can handle the family business. Verse 6, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Daddy, Father, you and me, all day, every day. Verse 7, Therefore you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, well, you're an heir of God Through Jesus Christ. Powerful stuff. The Father's adoption signifies heirship. H-E-I-R. Heirship, rulership, joint ownership, not babyship. No longer babyship, but mature sonship. And as I said earlier, at this point in the adoption process, they could then make decisions with their father's possessions. How about that? As you mature, he's going to say, Sylvia, what do you want to do with the Father's riches today? He, what am I saying? It's, it's simple. He's, he wants to grow you up to the point where the choices you make are the exact choices that he would make. That's what I'm saying. Does that make sense? You are so much abiding with Him. Abide ways works is a pathway to maturity. You're abiding so much with Him. You're being conformed to His image. That's ways that then you're out doing the stuff. You're doing the Word. You're not a hearer of the Word. You're a doer of the Word. Okay, you know Him. You show Him. People can see Him. And then you sow Him. That's the path to maturity. We venture out and begin to do the stuff with our Father. Let's go to Ephesians 4. Um... There it is, Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he himself, Christ, gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. What do we see there? Well, okay, his desire is that the saints be equipped for the work of the ministry. The saints are edified, okay, and built up. They're strengthened. That's what that means. And how long is it going to go on, guys, till we all come to the unity of the faith? Till we all come to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, that's mature, mature son, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Until we're no longer children. Uh, did I skip one? Uh, yes, I did. Sorry. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love 
All this is going on that we may grow up in all things into Him. Romans 8, 29. Every one of us are predestined to be conformed to to the image of God's Son. Where are we going? We're growing up into Him. Do you see it? Do you see it? I thought we were growing up to become a great church. Nope. We're growing up into Him. Now, we grow up into Him, we'll be a great church, I guarantee you. (laughs) Into Him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effect of working, by which every part does its share. Did you see that? Every part does its share. Everybody's got something to bring. If you think church is gimme, 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 my middle name is Jimmy, my last name is Moore, you got the wrong church. This is not it. We want to help you help others. We want to equip you to equip others. This is not the me first show. Every part does its share. Why? Because it causes growth. Does reading scripture with the author cause growth? Yep. Does spending time in prayer with uh, the Lord cause growth? Yep, absolutely. So does you doing your share. Discovering who you are, what your gift, what your grace, your bent is, and then contributing. It causes growth of body for the building up of itself in love. Now, the fivefold, I'm going to talk about this a little bit. The apest, apostle, prophet, evangelist, uh, pastor, teacher, shepherd, teacher. These do not go on top of the body. They go underneath to lay foundation. Oh, oh what foundation? Christ. <laughs> to lay Him. The foundation is not, I'm an apostle. Follow me. Uh, I'm a prophet. Follow me. You go around saying, you're the prophet in the church. I'm going to lock you in the closet out there until service is over. (laughs) These go underneath the body, not over the body, so we can build the foundation that is Christ. Now, some see in Ephesians 4, the apest or the fivefold as grace to do apostolic things, grace to uh, prophesy, if you will. And Ephesians 4, 7, when it says, uh, before we get to verse 11, he gave gifts to men. The word gifts is charis. It's grace. He gave grace. Others believe that the fivefold, it can be a person who actually apostles, if you will, or a prophet. Because Paul had said, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 12, verse 29, he said, are all apostles? No. So it sounds like he's talking about a person. Are all prophets? No. And then Jesus, of course, in Luke chapter 6, picked from the disciples and named specific men as apostles. But either way you look at it, to me, it's a grace gift. There's a grace that comes from Christ. Christ is the expression. If you have a bent towards a teacher, which is part of the apest, that bent is Christ in you. Does that make sense? There, the, the word for gift in Ephesians 4, 7 is charis, 54, 85 in the Strong's. It's the word grace in Titus 2, 11. It's the word grace in 1 Corinthians 15.10 when Paul said, I am who I am by the grace of God. 
And then he said, I labored more abundantly than all the other apostles, yet it wasn't me, it was Christ in me. Right? The grace of God is what he said. The grace of God in and through me. So either way you look at it, these functions of the apest are here. They're outlined here so you can see Christ, not a title. This is not for title distribution. The, the, the role that's at work in you, teacher, shepherd, whatever, is the grace of Christ Himself who's executing in and through you. And let me add this little nugget for you. The only reason that people would idolize people who call themselves apostles or prophets or evangelists, I'm the evangelist or whatever. The only reason they idolize that is because the body of Christ doesn't know that being a born-again, Christ-filled son of God is greater than being an apostle. (laughs) Amen? We elevated all those people because we thought... Being an apostle, oh my God, the bishop, oh, okay, he's an evangelist, oh, okay. Well, being a son of God, born of Almighty God's DNA, is greater than being an apostle. The apostle is simply a grace gift to serve the body of Christ and mature the sons of God. Amen. You say, well, I don't know about that. Okay, how about Matthew eleven eleven? John the Baptist, who's an Old Testament prophet, he's the last of the Old Testament prophets. Jesus said, among those born of women, no greater than John the Baptist. But I tell you, whoever's born the least in the kingdom of heaven. Right? Born of God, not born of woman. Notice what he said. There's none greater born of woman than John the Baptist. In the kingdom of heaven, we've got people born again of the Spirit of God. Even the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than the prophet. John the Baptist. Do you hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying? I am all for the apest. I'm sure I'm in there. (laughs) But the greater role in Christendom is being a son of God. And we all that. Yeah, that is our calling. And then to be conformed to the image of God's Son. All right, I'm going to wrap it up with this. Boy, that's powerful. I just wanted you to see the magnitude of what it is to be a born-again child of God. I mean, Christ in you, the hope of glory, people. And we're all like, well, I hope I hope I can be a, a prophet one day. Man, you're a child of God. And if and if Christ anoints you to lead in some of those areas, gifts you in those areas, then so be it. But boy, do it humbly, right? Because all that apex goes underneath the body. It doesn't go on top. Woo, come on, Holy Ghost. I love it. All right, last one. I wanted to read this to you in the Amplified Classic because this is what the spirit of adoption wanted us to see. Here's what he's doing. Verse 12 through 16, Amplified Classic. His intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints, his consecrated people, that they should do the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body, the church, that it might develop until we all attain oneness in the faith, the comprehension of the full and accurate knowledge of the Son of God, that we might arrive at really mature manhood, the completeness of personality, which is nothing less than the standard height of Christ's own perfection. He's forming you into Christ.
kind of makes membership, like, am I a church member? I mean, it makes it look dumb. What are you kidding me? Who cares if you're a church member? Church member is not even in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. All right, where did I leave off? Verse 13. Yeah, the knowledge of the Son of God. Um, really mature manhood. Look at that. The completeness of personality, which is nothing less than the standard um, height of Christ's own perfection. Living truly in full... No, no, no. That's not right. There it is. To the measure, the stature, the fullness of the Christ and the completeness found in Him. Where are we made complete? In Him. In Him. Why do you look to other people to complete you? That's why you get mad. We got, I see... I mean, they get married. It's like, you make me happy. You're the wind beneath my wings. It's two ticks and no dog. That's what you got. <laughs> You better, you better get your fullness from Christ. <laughs> Amen. I love what Don Wheeler said. He said, God doesn't heal marriages. He heals two individuals that make a healed marriage because they're both sourced by Christ. And that's what matures them. So then, <laughs> everybody say, I'm complete in Christ. Verse 14, so then we may no longer be children, tossed like ships to and fro between chance gusts of teaching and wavering with every changing of the wind of doctrine and falling prey to cunning and cleverness of unscrupulous men, gamblers engaged in every shifting form of trickery and inventing errors to mislead people. Rather, let our lives lovingly express truth. I love this. In all things, speaking truly, dealing truly, and living truly enfolded in love let us grow up in every way and in all things into him who is the head matt you guys can come even who is christ the anointed one verse 16 for because of him the whole body the church in all its various parts closely joined and firmly knit together by the joints and ligaments with which is uh, it is supplied when each part with power adapt, adapted to its need is working properly in all its functions, grows to full maturity, building itself in love. Is that not fantastic? That is a stout passage right there. And I love this part because I really do think this is happening here at Grace Church. Verse 16, the whole body is becoming closely joined and firmly knit together. Amen, Leslie? It's really happening. It's really happening, and he's doing it. He's doing it. We didn't get a, you know, a plan for unity off the internet and submit it to you. The Holy Spirit. <laughs> how many of you know? How many of you know, Ben, when we move in full surrender to, to Him, we move closer to each other. He is the unifying agent. He is the foundation that's being laid. He's the foundation that we're building upon. Amen. Will you stand with me? Wow. Lord, you're so good to us. So, so good. I just really, I feel led this morning to ask if there is anyone here and you have not made Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior of your life, and the Holy Spirit just tugging on your heart, you're like, Brother Steve, I need to be born again. When you talked about being born of the Spirit, the old me is gone, there's a new me, I want that new person in Christ. If that's you, just lift your hands so we can see you, we pray for you, we welcome you this morning. Anyone. I want to be a born-again child of God. Anyone. 
Okay, how many of the gathered church this morning, you'd say, Brother Steve, I am willing to partner with the spirit of adoption, the Holy Spirit that's active in this church and everything that's going on. I want to grow up in all aspects into Him. If that's you, raise both your hands. Come on, let's pray. Father, Father, you see these hands. I bless each and every one. And Holy Spirit, you're the keeper. You're the sustainer of the church. You're the one. Oh, my goodness. Jesus, thank you for entrusting us to the leadership and the lordship of the Spirit. And so, good sir, Holy Spirit, it is our heart's desire to be led by you. As many as are led by you, these are the mature sons of God. Lord, we also take down every wall. Any offense, any unforgiveness is gone. There is no dirty ledger. There's nothing to tie it to. As freely as we've been forgiven, we are that free towards one another. Thank you. Thank you for that. And then, Lord, Ephesians 4.16, you're knitting our hearts. You are. And, boy, when there's unity like this in the Spirit, centered on you, nothing shall be impossible for you to do. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said amen.